Welcome to the Difference Makers podcast presented by Waterproof. I'm your host, Justin Tamani. In this podcast, you'll hear from some of the top coaches, brand managers, and athletes on earth. From starting out to where they are now, we'll explore the journey of how they became a Difference Maker. Before we keep going, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to hear more from the Difference Makers. All right, guys, we are live. This is the Difference Makers podcast. My name is Justin Tamani. I'll be your host today. This week, we have with us Ashlyn Newlove. She is the owner of Sweat Effect. She's a certified nutritionist and nutrition coach, as well as the Canadian Functional Fitness Federation competition director and the vice president of the British Columbia Functional Fitness Federation. So welcome, Ashlyn. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. So we were just talking off mic here about the IF3. Um, IF3, we have the World Championships coming up this coming weekend, November 26th to the 28th in Sweden. And then we have the IF3 Masters World Championships, December 10th to 11th in Egypt. And you are competing in those ones in Egypt, correct? Yes, that is correct. So I'm excited that we're talking about it because so many people don't even know what the International Functional Fitness Federation or the Canadian Functional Fitness Federation is. And I think it's important to, you know, get that out on a platform somewhere so that people can start, you know, generating some interest and we can start growing our federation a bit more. Yeah. So for people who don't know, can you give a little brief explanation of what the IF3 is, what some of the goals of the organization are, and then we can talk about country specific after that. Yeah. So the IF3 is a nonprofit independent international governing body for functional fitness to grow as a competitive sport. So in the grand scheme of things, we want to become an Olympic sport. And to do that, you need to be recognized um, as a sport. So you need a governing body, uh, you need a membership. And we are in the process of growing that. Um, yeah, we're kind of just breaking ground at growing this into an Olympic sport, which would be super cool. And I think would be, you know, we've seen a lot of changes in CrossFit throughout the years. Um, like both you and myself have been doing, like how long have you been doing CrossFit for? Like 10 years now. Yeah. Like we've been doing CrossFit for 11 years and there's so many changes that have happened with it and lots of ups and downs. And, you know, people were really gung ho and it was kind of like what we, you know, what we live for was the open and the chance to, you know, potentially go to regionals, maybe be part of a regional team and then that fizzled out. And I like, I truly believe that, you know, with the IF3 and the Canadian Functional Fitness Federation, it can start to build that, you know, drive for competitiveness in people who want to compete in functional fitness and give some, some people some goals towards. Cause I think, I don't know, like people just kind of, fizzled after the changes in how they were doing things. And I'm not saying it was like good or bad, but people lost direction with where they wanted their training to go. And we're kind of questioning why, why am I doing CrossFit? Um, why am I spending this much time training for it? And it's just nice to have something else that if people want to train for and get into, if they don't think the games route is feasible for them, that this could be another option as well. Yeah, I think we've seen a huge swing in things over the past few years with the changes in CrossFit of of that engagement at that kind of competitive level. Um, but with IF3, 
it is a bit different than CrossFit because they're not only bringing a standardized um, organization, they're also bringing in kind of a more set standard uh, type of events. So, you know, if you look at it like decathlon or something like uh, an Olympic sport, there's very clear guidelines to each event. And this is kind of like the fitness decathlon. There's more clear guidelines to a full competition, correct? Yeah. So they'll have their six set tests, um, endurance, gymnastics, body weight. Um, oh, now you've got me. <laughs> power. Is power, power is one. Yes. Uh, strength. strength. Yep. And we're missing the sixth one. Um, I'm actually really hoping, <laughs> I have a feeling this is what's going to happen, that uh, we have a swim event in Egypt that I'm hoping that the swim event isn't the endurance one, but I just have this feeling that it's going to be so. Um, but it's nice that they've set out these six tests and those are the, you know, the six tests over two days that people will be tested in. So although the workouts won't be the same for you know, the people in doing the individual um, events in Sweden, as they will be in Cairo, those will be two, two different sets of workouts. There's still the basis of them is the same. There will still be one testing endurance. There'll still be one testing strength. Um, and I got knows? it here. Who knows? Endurance, strength, yeah. body weight, skill, mixed and power. Right. So, and I sit here and I say that the workouts are different than who knows, maybe next week they'll drop a bomb on to be like, actually they're going to be the same workout. So <laughs> yeah, but different environment. Hopefully they change something up a little bit like masters, even just the loading for masters should be different than the individuals. I mean, I'm hoping so. They've got (laughs) like 80 pounds, single arm dumbbell squat clean injuries. I was like, that is pretty beefy for me, but I mean, I'll give it the good old college try. (laughs) They have changed the events. They've, they've pushed different movements. I have three. It appears that they've pushed different movements than CrossFit. Like we've seen some different types of tests in both. But um, I have three, I believe, introduced the handstand walking either. It, it was more skill-based and you had to have a, a mat or a object between your feet, correct? This time um, when they did the, like for the master's qualifier, it was like um, handstand walking with a turnaround point, which I mean, you don't often see in a lot of competitions mm-hmm. these days. Um, they also did the bar pullover. So uh, not so like a pull up and then roll backwards over the bar, which was something that like took a little bit of practice to do because it's just not a typical movement that we generally, you know, train. No. Um, but I mean, honestly, if, if you're doing this competitively and you know, you're in the gym doing pull-ups all the time, it's not really a strength thing. It was just like, being upside down, flipping yourself over the bar. So it was, it was yeah. neat. Um, but yeah, those were the Canadian tests. So the, the qualifiers for it, the Canadian tests were done by someone in Canada. And then, you know, each country had their own person doing their own programming, but based on those um, six tests. So yeah, it should be, I'm excited to see what they've got. And you're right. I, <laughs> I hope that it's different than the individual. Um but we'll see. Yeah, we were, I mean, I don't have to compete. You have to compete. So that's, <laughs> those are two different things. But uh, there's some good events that w- that have come out so far. Um, I think that the IF3 and the way they're trying to standardize the types of tests is an interesting way to go about it. 
Um, I know that CrossFit takes a hit from time to time because of the, the randomness of the events or the seemingly randomness of the events. So being able to standardize it, you know, it, it puts it in front of a different audience. I think putting fitness in front of the Olympic audience would be an amazing thing to see. But I think that the global participation also needs to be there for it to be successful. Yeah, totally. Um, and there are quite like, although there aren't a lot of Canadian athletes going, um, I think partially because they just don't, they didn't, they didn't realize qualifiers were happening. And um, that's why I said growing awareness for it is going to be a huge thing over the next couple of years. But I'm not going to lie. I, I jumped in on the ground floor on this on competing because when it starts to pick up speed, there are going to be some phenomenal athletes competing at it. We're already seeing CrossFit Games athletes in the individual events in Sweden, like Kristen Holte is competing. Um, she is a crazy good athlete. And yeah. so once we see that, um, these people filtering down, your girl, like me, <laughs> less and less of a chance of going and, you know, being part of this. So I think that was an important thing too. I just wanted to be a part of something that I think is going to be really big in the future. Yeah. Looking at the, the past rosters. I mean, I just saw Sam Briggs there. I saw con Porter, like there's some, some athletes who have made their waves in the cross. I mean, Sam Briggs is a former CrossFit champion and she's competing at this. I mean, that's a great opportunity to represent your country. Yeah. In so sport. It, it, it is. And like, I mean, look at let's, you know, let's say fast forward to future, um, look at all of the, the hockey guys who, you know, compete on all of their NHL teams and then all compete for, you know, their countries at the Olympics and stuff like that. Like it's a pretty amazing honor. And I believe that the games athletes are going to be getting in on this and I'm not, I'm not mad that I'm getting in on it early <laughs> and <laughs> I can be a part of history. So, and plus too, like we talked about at the beginning, I'm also the competition director for the Canadian Federation. So it's going to be amazing to go and see how they're running their event there because we are putting in a bid to host a future event in Canada. And that baby's going to be all mine to organize and run. So I want to see all the ideas. Um, you know, we've gone to regionals in the past, so I can pull some ideas from there and any other larger scale, like can West games, those types of events I can pull ideas from, but I mean, no better place to, you know, get a feel for things and see how I would want to run the Canadian event than going and participating in it myself. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's, there's a different attitude and there's a different feeling around a world scale event than just like a local one, like pulling from all of these countries around the world is going to be pretty cool to see and be pretty cool to be a part of. So yeah, I was looking for doing that. I was looking at the, the uh, like registered athlete roster for, you know, my age group and my husband's cause my husband is competing as well. Um, his age group as well. And we're talking like Kazakhstan, Russia, people, mm -hmm. there's people coming from Australia, you know, 
I don't doubt that they're going to probably win the swim event. I, <laughs> <laughs> I am fully prepared for that. So I just think it is going to be incredible to see all of these people together. Um, yeah. And see what people are doing and, you know, what their fitness, you know, presents like in a world competition as opposed to mine. And it'll be neat. Yeah. I, I'm excited to watch it. Um, I'm going to tune in this weekend for the world event. So you said we were talking before and you said it was on, it's going to be streaming on the Swedish IF3 website. Yeah. So the the Swedish functional fitness federation website. Um, I had asked our Canadian, um, functional fitness federation president, uh, Veronique Paquette. She is from Madrid and, uh, she's actually going to be in attendance for that because the teen athlete, she'll be taking the teen athlete that's competing, uh, in the 13 to 14 year old age category. So, um, yeah, there's going to be some pretty young, some pretty young guns out there. So that'll be neat. And there's team events as well, which I think would also be a really cool thing to try to participate in someday. Um, like I'm almost at the tail end of my age category, which also isn't supposed, you know, you're like, you, yeah. they always say you're like, you're not going to peak, you know, at the end of, you want to be like the youngest. You got to roll in. over. You got to be the youngest <laughs> in the age group. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm at the, I'm at the end of mine. And also for masters, it starts at 30. So there's a 30 to 34 age category. And then I'm in the 35 to 39. So uh, yeah. I don't know if you're going to drop that or not. I know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, tiptoeing into the 40s pretty soon so the wadproof pro experience contains hundreds of training sessions that will boost your progress whether you're a beginner or a pro start your seven-day free trial now and get access to all of our top level training programs search the wadproof app or click the link inside this episode description to find out more whatever you know what that's why i said like it's going to be a great experience either way even if i go there and like just absolutely get smashed on and I'm aware that can happen. I have no expectations of anything except for going and, you know, competing my best. It's been a weird couple of years with fitness around here. Like we can all yeah. agree that nobody's been, you know, competing locally. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I did a team competition in Kamloops like a couple months ago. It was like the first time I'd seen in-person competition in, it's almost two, two years, years. Almost. Yeah. so things have been weird and uh, you know like I haven't done an individual competition in forever so yeah. it's just it's knocking some dust off you know <laughs> hey well I mean I want to I want to segue into you know your your other business here but good luck competing at IF3 and good luck competing at the Worlds and then you know hopefully we'll check in with you after you get back and we can hear all about it. Mhm yeah I'm excited. But you also are a certified nutritionist and nutrition coach and I want to talk about how you've kind of like carved out your niche in the fitness industry and like how you've gone about that because I mean you started as I mean you're you're also a CrossFit coach you started doing more personal training, but how have you really targeted and grown your audience um, in nutrition as opposed to going down the road of personal training more, things like that? Like, how have you really honed in on your client? 
Yeah. Like, and that's a tough one. And, um, I've been asked this before, like, how did I turn a nutrition coaching business into like a full-time gig, you know, into a, like an actual career. And so I'll, I'll go back to, you know, probably five years ago or so. Um, at the time, my husband and I had wanted to move to another country. We had decided Canadian winters weren't for us and we were going to move. And you know what? Maybe it looked like a little, like my husband's a power engineer. Um, so he, he works like, you know, his shift work and maybe we wanted something like a little bit looser. And I've been coaching CrossFit for, you know, at that time, probably about five years. So we're like, you know, maybe we move somewhere warmer, maybe it's Mexico or overseas and open a gym. And then I can start incorporating, you know, more nutrition into that. And that was kind of the plan. And then my dad got sick actually. And I'm like, well, I can't actually move out of Canada if my dad's sick because right. He can't like, he can't come see me. Um, travel would be hard with, you know, health insurance and things like that. So we kind of sat on it for a while and I was a mortgage broker at the time. And I was just doing my nutrition clients on the side. It was my side gig, just something that I, you know, I enjoyed and was passionate about, um, but never really pulled the plug on it. You know, like yeah. it was kind of always like one step back. And you see that a lot from people if they've got a decent job, but it's not their passion and they're doing something on the side that, you know, is good, but they, they're too nervous to quit their job that they dislike that pays well and just go after their passion. And finally it was like, somebody had said to me once, they were like, you know what? I, I changed jobs and I was like, I got to hustle right now because they had kids and a mortgage and things like that. We don't have kids. So it's not like me quitting my job. I wasn't gonna be able to feed my children type of a thing. But he was like, if I switch my career right now, will there be enough, you know, to pay all the bills and feed and clothe my children and everything like that? Because I don't have someone else to rely on. And I was like, you know what? He's right though. You can't, you can't just, you know, shift into the thing that you're passionate about and then coast through it. I treated it like I had nobody that was going to save me. Um, I have a husband who has a career, so it wasn't like that, but I treated it like it was sink or swim, you know? Um, So I spent a lot of time working on like how to market via social media, took lots of classes because I knew I, I had been working and mentoring under a dietitian and working for her company for quite some time. I knew that I was a good nutrition coach. That wasn't, that wasn't the case. And I think a lot of people get imposter syndrome too. Uh, they, they're just like, am I good enough? And I was like, no, I've been told that I can help people get results that they want. I know what I'm doing is right. If I want to make this my own thing and make a go of it, I need to learn how to make this thing fly. So yeah, I spent a lot of time taking social media courses on how to grow. And obviously things have changed over. Cause like I said, that was, you know, four or five years ago now, you yeah. know, things are different, but that was the first thing I was like, I need to get my name out there and how am I going to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of restructured my business and just kind of kept changing things. I also niche down hard. And I know that's a word that like, everybody is saying, like, if you're going to start a business, you need to niche down. 
and I actually did it um, <laughs> because it's people are saying that. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's, that's a thing. thing. That's okay. A thing. Okay. Yeah, you need to niche down because if you're like, oh, my business is for everyone, like I can cater to everyone, then you'll cater to no one. Yeah. So being too generalized will get you further from your goal. But if you pick a specific market, that is where your business will thrive in. And I did. I picked a specific market. So my market was people who do CrossFit, um, not competitors, but like, like not competitors per se. Again, I work with some competitors. However, yeah. it's not my niche because you can't be marketing to everybody. Um, it's your, it's your everyday person who does cross it. It's the person who goes to the gym five days a week, who, you know, is, is doing everything that they can in the gym and just don't feel like they look like the athlete that they want to. Um, and the missing piece in there is generally just their nutrition. And once we align the two, then they start seeing the results that they want. So I work with, yeah, like, a lot of moms, a lot of, yeah, a lot of parents, um, just people who were committed to doing CrossFit like I was, um, you know, before I decided to take a more competitive route, because like, let's be honest, do the training volume that people do isn't for health. Like if you're trying to be competitive, no. so, you know, it, I'm not marketing, um, specifically to people who, who are training. I'm, I generally help yeah, the your everyday person who is in the gym, maybe four, three, four, maybe five classes a week, and yeah. they want to you know reach some different health goals and body composition goals, and that was where my niche was. And that's such a huge market. That market is significantly bigger than your competitive market. Yeah, it it definitely is. Um, it's and. I think people just think it looks sexy though, to be able to be like, I worked with that athlete on their nutrition and yeah. it's like gyms um, when they are always promoting their competitive athletes, like on their social media stuff. It's like, those people don't pay the bills. No. Like sometimes those competitive athletes are working out for free at their space. So in fact, they cost the most money. Yeah, it, it, they do. And they, kind of require the most space and time and yeah. everything and yeah so it's like your your community is your your bread and butter for the gym um for nutrition coaching and yeah I really just niche down on that and I actually when we moved to BC last year from Saskatchewan I was like oh I'm gonna start branching out into more things and actually just in the last few months I went back down to just offering um, nutrition coaching again. Like I was coaching a boot camp. I was doing personal training. Um, mm -hmm. I was also doing nutrition coaching. I was doing, um, you know, I have an apparel line. I still do my apparel line, um, but I've also streamlined that down to, you know, kind of like a less is more thing. And that's where I find, I think people get too caught up in like, well, if I add this and I add this and I add this, like it takes the it takes your focus away from what your main thing is. And then you just don't end up being as successful with the thing that you want because you, you know, it's, you've got your hand in too many cookie jars and you're not doing that one thing well enough anymore, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's that's an important thing to focus on what your your goal is. And hearing that you when you change, you treated your business like it was, you know, make or break. When you, you know, you did have mortgage broking, bro, brokering, yeah, brokerage, brokerage. Yeah. <laughs> to fall back on. But yeah. you went all in on on being a nutrition coach and being a, a coach in the fitness space. And that's big. And you've grown a pretty big following online as well. And this is one of those things that I think a lot of people um, have been kind of struggling with recently is to grow their their social followings. But your one, your TikTok has just like blown up. <laughs> and it's so funny because I don't even like talk about TikTok too much on there. But that's kind of how I started branching out into like clients in the States. Um, I do find that a lot of people from the States end up on my TikTok account. And okay. yeah, then I'm starting to get clients from there. I have a client from Australia. However, she is originally from my hometown in Saskatchewan, but I like to say that I have a client in Australia. <laughs> yes. No, you're um, international. You're, you're multi-continent. Yeah. I actually, I, back in the day, I used to have another client from Europe as well. And it was always me because I would get like their check-in in the middle of the night. And <laughs> so, but you know, like to be like, people are always like, I don't know. They're like, okay, I need to make money. So, uh, you know, I need more clients, but, uh, what if I start, uh, I'm going to offer personal training and I'm going to do a group fitness class, but also I'm going to do a group nutrition program and individual. And I'm just going to yeah. try and pull in all these different things. And then you're not marketing that one thing really well. Maybe it is that you're a, per a really good personal trainer and you're like, well, I need to add nutrition because, nutrition coaches are making money and I need to add that stream. I went through that a little bit. Cause I was like, most of the, like, let's be honest. Nutrition is 95% mindset. And That's I feel like, I feel like most of the time, like I'm a mindset coach more than anything, right? You can mm -hmm. literally go onto any like calorie calculator and figure out macros online. You know, like yeah. there is no big secret about that, but if you can like sticking to it and being consistent with it is the main thing. It's mainly me like helping people like reason and you know, why they do the things they do and why they have the habits that they have. So yeah, I'm like, well, I'm more like a mindset coach. And then I had a friend who was doing subconscious imprinting and I was like, that sounds super cool. And I did some sessions with her just because it's a really neat, like, way for you to dig into your subconscious. And, you know, if you have any doubts about, and it could be about anything, it could, it could be business, it could be fitness, nutrition, like she kind of, they have these ways of helping you break through them. So I was like, you know what, like that would complement my business so well, maybe I should get into like mindset coaching, subconscious imprinting, something like that. Again, do one thing well instead of 12 <laughs> things half-assed, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Like, focus on that one thing that you're good at. And, you know, now I, you know, I, I work part-time, but like on a full-time person's salary. And I love the freedom that I have with that. So with us going to Egypt, I still will be working with my clients when I'm there. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's a little bit different because we always we always travel and train and work and whatnot. But this is gonna be a little bit different because there's a little bit more pressure when I get there to like make sure it's like quality training, right? I'm not you know just hitting up my daily workout. So yeah, but you're also how many hours a day are you gonna train in preparation like that? Like you're oh. not gonna be at the gym. 10 no. hours trying to train. No, two, like two hours, but still I have to see a little bit of Egypt if I'm going all the way over there. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so yeah, no, we'll spend a couple hours in the gym. Um, and then, you know, if I have a couple hours worth of work to do and then also try to fit in, um, you know, seeing some things you, like I can't go to, Actually, we've yeah. got one of our places, one of our Airbnbs overlooks the pyramids. So that's nice. That sounds yeah. nice. <laughs> and the first hotel that we booked when we we're there, actually like traveling right now as a big of a pain as it is, it's actually also really awesome because things like your credit card points get you like luxury hotels that you wouldn't get to stay in before. So one of the hotels we're staying at when we first get there is like, um, in the middle of the Nile. So there's like kind of like a little islandy, like there's a bridge over to it. And so the Nile like is flowing back and forth on both sides of the hotel. So it's pretty cool. We're not luxury travelers. Let me just say that. <laughs> How do I get in on this trip? <laughs> it's not, we don't usually luxury travel. It just happens to be a, a weird time in the world right now yeah. where, you know, you can make that happen. So um, yeah. So that's why it's nice to have a, a business like this and, also not having to worry about, you know, trying to make up personal training sessions and things like yeah. that. And uh, just moving out here, like my clientele was really big in Saskatchewan just because I knew a lot of people in, you know, CrossFit gyms kind of all over Saskatchewan, not yeah. necessarily just, you know, my gym or anything like that. So that was where the bulk of my clients came from. Mm -hmm. Um, they resonated with me. The other thing about, you know, growing yourself and your business is that if you can be a little vulnerable and you can tell your story, if you have a story, uh, and people can resonate with it, that's where your clients are going to come from. And I was, you know, Joe Blow cross average crossfitter, um, 20, 30 pounds overweight, going to the gym five times a week, wondering, why I wasn't losing weight, you know, before I dug into this whole nutrition thing. Cause keep in mind, this was like 11 years ago. Like I said, when we started, I didn't yeah, know. On it. No, nobody knew. And like they were pushing the paleo diet back then. Like that was <laughs> every once in a while. You'll Zone paleo. Yeah. <laughs> Those were the things. And then it got into um, like, well, cut carbs. You just got to cut, cut carbs yeah. out. Oh, so in the sport that's fueled solely by carbs, people were preaching that you should cut carbs. And if you ever look at paleo and zone and stuff like that, they tend to be very low carb. And then people were wondering why their workouts were sucking yeah. and like not losing weight. Yeah. And cortisol levels were all messed up because you were all, you know, you weren't fueling yourself properly for a high intensity workout, not making the ground that you should have been um, in your workouts. And yeah. so, you know, when you kind of share a story like that, people are like, yeah, I, I go to the gym five days a week and I work out because I'm trying to, you know, I, I want to be fit and I want to be healthy, but I also want to, you know, change my body composition. And why isn't that happening for me? And 
Yeah. That was kind of how I grew my following. Just be like putting myself out there, telling my story, um, you know, and because like the media shadows you with so many crazy diet fads, it's so confusing to people. Oh, like even just talking to people in the gym and in around, they're like, oh, I thought like this was healthy and this like, you know, like I can't eat those potatoes. Like I, I've had too many potatoes today. And it's like, like people don't really know how to eat. They just know what society has kind of told them over the past few years, right? Like yeah. keto got real hot. Like you see a bunch of people lose a bunch of weight really fast and they're like, man, this keto diet. And then, you know, there, there are side effects of that. There are things it's, it's a hard diet to maintain for a lot of people. And, and most people are doing and, and dieting based off of things they hear, not the research they've done. Somebody's friend's sister lost all this weight doing this diet. So they're going to do it. Or they'll see you like, I don't know, (laughs) eating, like you said, rice or potatoes. And they're like, are you allowed to have that? And it's like, yeah, yeah. What? Like, (laughs) and this is where like education on food comes from. And people are like, well, you know what? Okay. So I have chose, like I went to Starbucks and I chose to have the bran muffin because a bran muffin is healthy. When they look at it, they don't realize, oh, the bran muffin actually has 500 calories in it. I don't actually know how much a Starbucks bran muffin has. But But it's the uninformed eating and eating based off of what the perception of health is, right? Right. And and when the bottom line is, then at the end of the day, they've eaten 4,000 calories and don't understand, you know, how much they've taken in and Mm -hmm. like why they aren't seeing the results that they want to because they ate healthy they made healthy yeah. choices all day and not understanding what that actually means and actually like i hate the word healthy like it's such a <laughs> you know like you're not the healthy effect yeah like it's so also people people want to work with me and they're like do I have to work out? I'm like, my business name is literally the sweat effect. <laughs> like you have to, you have, like, and it doesn't mean you have to do CrossFit by any yeah. means, but it's like, like we got to do some, we got to find you some sort of fitness because you know, something that gets you sweaty because it like, it's a balance. We do, we, we yeah. ourselves want a vision of health, but I hate when people use the word healthy to describe foods or good or bad, you know? Yeah. Um, I actually had a client say to me the other day, she was like, uh, like I had a bad day. I, you know, binge ate like a bunch of junk food and, you know, and we're, I'm like, you know, we're early in the process. So why don't for now, like you get that stuff out of the house and, you know, if you're wanting to have a treat sometime, just like go and pick it up, you know, yeah. sometime and have that treat. So it's not sitting there in the cupboard. Like It's okay to have to remove food from their house if you have a tendency to overeat it, because food is meant to be like, like your companies are making these foods super delicious, highly palatable because they want you to eat a lot of it. So you have to set your environment up for that. So I was, and she was like, yeah, but I I'll overeat anything. And I said to her, I was like, I bet you haven't ever overeaten fruits, vegetables, or protein. And she was like, you are right. I have never overeaten those foods. I'm laughing because you're like, yeah, you got to get those foods out of your house. And I'm like, yeah, the way I do that is I typically eat them out of my house. <laughs> and then 
<laughs> once I've completed eating them, then they're gone. So in my mind, I go, okay, well, I'm just going to eat all of this and then it's gone. And then it's a lot of effort to go to the grocery store and do this all over again or go to the whatever. So I typically will buy something, eat it all. And then I don't have it. And then I'm like, nah, well, I'm okay. I don't want to go out. I'm lazy. You also have a different metabolism than a lot of the people that I work with, you know? Yeah, that's fair. That's like, fair. it is literally these companies' main focus is to get people to want and crave and eat so much of their food, right? That is every company's job is how do I sell more of XYZ thing? You yeah. know, if it's food, if it's social media and it's, you know, video games and enticing people to play more – Every company's job is holding your attention. Mm -hmm. That is like, what they do. Every single company. And any company that says that's not what they do is lying. It, it's You're totally right. Um, that You just made me think of something like regarding social media. Because I do think about this quite a bit. And I do see how unhealthy uh, it makes people with like body image, food issues... Oh those types of things. And, you know, we work through a lot of that, um, yeah. like in with my clients and, and whatnot. But, um, this is one little like tip that I did really like for, um, like social media and like growing a following, like besides being vulnerable and telling your story, but it's also to make your account different than everybody else's. So it's like, okay, your photography account, for instance, it's like, if Yours is quite niche and yeah. you've done a really good job of niching down on your market. But if you were just taking ideas from other photographers account and trying to, you know, grow your social media following just by copying what someone else in your own industry is doing, it generally doesn't work. So what you should yeah. be doing is finding someone else who is uh, really good at their social media, but in a totally different market than mm -hmm. your own and starting to pull in ideas from what they're sharing and then, you know, base it around whatever your market is. And I actually found that to be a really good tip. So it's like, so for instance, it's like, if you're a nutritionist and a nutrition coach, whatever, and all you do is post recipes all the time, people are going to follow your account because they are interested in your recipes. Well, that's yeah. not what you, not why you want them following you. They, you want them following you because they're interested in working with you because they see you yeah. as a good nutrition coach that's going to help them reach their goals, not as a person who's really good at making recipes. So, you know, it's fine to have like some of those things integrated mm -hmm. into your account, but if that's all you're posting, that's all you're going to get for followers. So, yeah. And I mean that, and that's why people will start to follow you. So that's where it comes down to niching into that type of content. Um, and you know, your story and your ability to portray your personality, I think is why, you know, your, your social accounts have done as well as they have. And like your TikTok is a good example of that, of like you show your personality with a mix of your work. And I mean, it's, it's primarily, um, focused on your your industry, being a nutritionist and teaching people. So it's not just like, it's not just like the fad of the week on TikTok. 
but it's it's informational. You're giving content to people on top of um, entertaining them. Yeah, and I think that's you know the key. It's like everybody knows that this information, right? Like, let's be real. Eating more protein is boring. <laughs> Nobody wants to yeah. read like a post about that. But if you can make it, you know, more interesting or you know, share kind of what your views are on, right? Because like I said, I don't believe in foods that are good or bad. Um, I do believe in following a diet that's like 70 to 80% whole foods, which can include things like rice and potatoes. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, that other 20%, you know, could be for a fun food. So if you wanted to include a treat in your day, um, you know, maybe you wanted some ice cream or something like that. So I'm more about like a balance and moderation. There's definitely people out there who are more like taking this whole foods approach with the people that I work with that doesn't work because it's, they go to a birthday party and there's cake there and they're like, well, how do I even, you know, how do I eat here if yeah. I'm only eating whole foods? So it's being able to like enjoy those things in life that are going to happen and knowing that, like food is enjoyable. Like people oh. eat for enjoyment and social gatherings and settings. So it's knowing how to navigate that and not feeling like you have completely ruined everything because, you know, you had to go out for dinner sometime. So, yeah. So if you can portray that in a fun TikTok video, like I get all sorts of comments, but <laughs> like you said, I'm a personality. I... I like, I sometimes just like, I feed the trolls a little bit. Um, you do get more trolls on TikTok than I tend to get on Instagram. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, TikTok That's is vicious. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can see that too. I got, I don't get a lot of trolls on my, I shouldn't say this, but I don't get a lot of trolls on my socials. But it's like, the bigger your audience, the more eyeballs you're in front of, the more you're going to get. But I also feel like, okay, so I have a friend who runs a macrame business and okay. she's always like, whoa, like she has like a very successful macrame business, like selling cord and stuff like that. She's like, yeah. people on your social media can be so mean. I was like, it's the industry. She doesn't get like those types of yeah. comments because it's macrame, right? <laughs> the photography, you know, followers again, like, like probably the worst is like maybe if you posted you know a like a photo or a video of an athlete that someone didn't like they might throw shade on that but they're not gonna th it wouldn't be like we hate your photography yeah. <laughs> i'll get i'll get people being like oh you could lose more weight and stuff like that i had somebody tell me they hated my eyebrows once like they, it's like a very now, wait, do you think this could be like a male versus female thing too, where, where it's more likely that a female will get attacked on social media than a male? Like maybe it's just, you know, I don't post enough of myself. I don't put myself out there on my personal page where, where I'm portraying these things, you know, like you're, you're sharing weight loss stories, you're sharing intimate details of your life. And then I share a video of me like push pressing a bunch of weight, you know, there's yeah. a difference there. 
Totally. Um, and then sometimes, so I had some videos go viral and <laughs> one of them was a muscle up video okay. on TikTok. I was just showing like, you know, showing my yeah. transformation of when I got my first one to, you know, what it looked like now. And people are like, you're going to blow your shoulders out. Oh. And like, you know, so the, they're yeah. like, oh, that looks like a good way to get shoulder surgery and really tying in that way. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's uneducated people. And you are correct. It is yeah. going to be different because I do post vulnerable stories about myself. They'll be like, Oh, just another fat girl, like trying to help people because she lost some weight. And it's like, well, no, I actually like educated myself. Um, and <laughs> so it's not like, you know, that, so it's like, but you kind of get it all. And you're right. Yeah. I put myself out there. So I have to be more open to knowing that, I'm going to get a little bit of backlash. People see my face more. Um, yeah. I do talk a lot on Instagram stories and I do share more of my personal life. And that's other things that people, you know, why my account has grown is because I do share my day-to-day -day stuff. We have an Airbnb. I'll share stories from that. I actually just had a follower on that. Um, they love my stories because sometimes people are terrible guests. I never tell like say names or anything. Also, I, I doubt any of my Airbnb guests have tracked me down on Instagram and started following me, but I'll tell stories of past guests and things that they've done. And I was sharing a story on my Instagram story the one day. And this woman was like, is it really necessary to publicly shame these people? I, I was like, no, well, publicly shaming them would be like telling their names and who they yeah. are. I was like, I'm telling a very generalized story about some past guests that I had. And I was like, you know what? I don't think that my content is the content for you. I was like, you just, get, just give me an unfollow, you know? And she's like, I think you're right. I'm like, I am glad that we've come to an agreement on this, you know? <laughs> and... I mean, I don't know if you followed up to actually check and see if she did, but it's good of you just to be like, yeah, maybe this isn't for you. You know, yeah. maybe don't hang around here. Yeah. And that is why I get the, like why I've been able to gain a little bit of a follower uh, growth because people want to glimpse into my personal life as well. And which includes, like I said, you know, running the Airbnb, um, you know, ordering and packing up clothes for the clothing line. I kind of show, you know, our dogs, what we're doing for the day. Everybody loves a good dog video. Well, yeah. I mean, right. Who doesn't like that? <laughs> so as much as I try to share, like, you know, some tips and show food that I'm eating, uh, yeah. I also give them the, the everyday stuff too. And yeah, that's how, like, maybe you need more behind the scenes in your Instagram stories. Oh, is this a, how to fix yeah. the coach the mania account this yeah maybe this is you know this is growing your business this is them seeing your face more no it's true and i mean that's the other thing is like i mean my photography account i mean we don't need to go into my details here but <laughs> you can see the growth and you can see the change when there's a face behind the brand you know there, there's brands that are out there sorry i just had an issue with my mic there's brands that are out there that have uh, a big presence of their leadership, you know, of the person behind the brand. And you can see that there's engagement there. There's growth there. There's people who, who are engaging. And then, you know, there's big companies that 
that don't have that as much and you can see that they they don't have that figure to to kind of get behind and that you know kind of helps the growth or allows for the growth and i think that's where we're seeing a lot more of like the influencer marketing right where there's a face there's a brand you have an audience so people are going to be like oh you know i see you talk about your dogs every day like i know you know what you're talking about like we hear about your nutrition we hear about you know positive healthy healthy sorry um positive tips that we can implement we have healthy habits yeah yeah, but we don't describe food as being healthy or not (laughs) okay no but that's that's a very good way to distinguish that Mm -hmm. you know but but you're right that's how your audience has grown and that's why like influencer marketing is so big right now and the other thing is too like it's not about like i had a real change in so I have good engagement in in my content mm-hmm. and it goes it gets seen by a lot of people yep. and I don't want that to change and so it's not about me chasing a number of followers. So if you have 5000 followers and you have good engagement, perfect. Like yeah. your content is getting out there. If you see someone with 100,000 followers but they're getting 20 likes on the post, well one, did they buy a bunch of followers? What's the point of having followers if it's not who you're also marketing to, right? Yeah. Like, it. let's be honest. Like, it, mine is a business account as well as a snapshot into my... Like, I don't have a personal Instagram anymore. I've molded it all into one because I realized yeah. that people wanted to see that. But if you're not engaging with the people, you know, if you're not getting that engagement from them and not getting in front of them and having... Like I delete followers all the time. Really? So, yeah. Um, because if they're not in my niche, um, like I've probably deleted over like almost a thousand followers from my account. Hey, good. Because so what happens with the algorithm is let's say, okay, so because I have um, the clothing line mm-hmm. and if I put hashtags on it, like athletic apparel, Uh, you get people from overseas searching those hashtags because they want to become the manufacturer of your product. So then then they start following you. So if if the algorithm starts seeing a trend where a bunch of, um, it it happens to be a lot of people like from India and they see that that is where your market base is growing. They will Mm -hmm. start pushing your posts to those people more and more and less from uh, like your actual yeah, you're... engaged market. So I have to, and I'm like on top of it all the time, like on a weekly basis, you know, taking people out of there that it's, you know, they're not, it, it's not for them. I'm not for them. Yeah. Would you say that if that helps with the, the overall growth of your, your channels? Like it does because um, not only does Instagram will push, you know, when you get those like, suggested posts and things like that mm-hmm. it's gonna push your content uh in the suggested posts to people if you're seeing an influx in growth from manufacturing companies in india yeah. it's gonna start mar- like pushing that as the suggested posts to them so going through and doing a clean out is the other thing like um I've worked with social media managers before to manage my account. And I did learn quite a bit from them. So after I took a, like educated myself in the art of social media, I actually Mm -hmm. did hire someone and I um, had a social media manager, like, you know, teaching me the ins and outs of 
Instagram and its changes and the, you know, different updates that it had done. So I learned quite a bit there. And uh, I still have, like, I have a virtual assistant and she like will help me with, I still run a Pinterest page. Like I feel like, (laughs) I feel like Pinterest is so like, you know, but my social media manager is like, no, like you can still gain a lot of growth um, and redirect traffic from Pinterest people to your Instagram, to your website. So my VA will help me like she does all like puts all my posts on Pinterest and stuff for me. And um, because that's, I don't think that it has a lot of value, but I'm being told that it can still help. I think it's on the way out, but whatever, I just do kind of what I'm told, but yeah, there is definitely room for, um, growth, but only in the right ways. You don't want to expand and grow if it's not in your market. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of good in this conversation and a lot of different topics. We've bounced around quite a bit here. Um, But for people who want to get a hold of you, for people who want to get more information, either to work with you as a nutrition coach um, or to hear a little bit more about your story, where can they find you? And, you know, we mentioned TikTok and and Instagram, but where can they find you? Yeah. So um, Instagram is usually the best one. Um, It's just at sweat underscore effect. Um, my website is thesweateffect.com and yeah, I'm the same on TikTok as well, but it's like, it's neat. And, um, like I love, like my, my followers actually have like, they, when they send me a message, they're like, Hey friend, and we've never met in real life. So it's, it's actually like amazing. Some of the connections that you can find and grow over social media and, yeah. So even if you're not in the market and you just want to check out like what I've got, like I said, following other people in the market who have been able to like in a different market, who've been able to grow, like go steal ideas and, you know, ch- grow your account by, you know, following some different people that aren't in your market and see what they're doing. Don't be doing what the other people like that your competitors are doing. I use the word competitors loosely as well, because let's be real. Like there is more than enough, nutrition clients in this world for me and every single nutrition coach (laughs) that's out there so yeah exactly hey (laughs) good luck in egypt good luck with if3 and if people are wondering why you did this whole interview with tape on your thumbs (laughs) if they they pick that up if you're on the video ashlyn has tape on she's getting ready to go work out so she can get her training in sunday night at 8 p.m I'm going to go do that right now. Um, Yeah, just with Egypt coming up, I had a lot of errands to run today. I'm feeling the pressure right now. So a little 8 o'clock workout, some rowing and some snatches. It's going to be good. Awesome. All right, good luck, and thanks again for joining us. Uh, Guys, this has been The Difference Makers. Take care. With the Wadproof Pro Experience, you'll get instant access to training programs from some of the best coaches on the planet. From full training programs in the gym and at home to movement-specific programs for weightlifting, gymnastics, engine, endurance, rowing, and more. We have a program that is designed for your needs, whether you are a beginner or a pro. Every training session introduces a series of questions. Am I happy with my performance? Where could I have gone faster? When will I be ready to go again? For Wadproof Pro athletes, also this question. What can I learn from that workout? 
With the Wadproof Pro subscription, you gain access to a complete training toolbox. From a full-featured exercise log, to side-by-side -side comparisons, to the ability to record your heart rate right alongside your rounds and reps. You have at your fingertips everything you need to learn, to make progress, and to go into tomorrow's training more prepared than today's. The best athletes are the best students, and with your Wadproof Pro subscription, you will have in your pocket the education you need to elevate your training and uncover the many lessons that every single workout offers you. Subscribe today so you can get better tomorrow.